0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. God bless you. Happy Fourth of July. And uh, hope hope you're enjoying your holiday weekend so far. We had big doings in Butler yesterday. Hope you got to enjoy that. I did not. All the doings downtown made it complicated for my truck to be towed from the drive-up window at the bank.
1: <laughs>
0: they didn't ask me if they could have festivities uptown. They never do. So, Yes, Dan? Oh, yeah, we have the Barbecue Queen sitting behind me here. The Butler Barbecue Festival, uh, Queen of the Ribs. Yeah, you don't have to give a standing ovation or anything. But I feel privileged. So we want to welcome our online uh, viewers wish you were here think about uh, coming and spending a Sunday morning with us out there oh what do we have I don't have a whole lot to talk about in the way of announcements um, but don't look for my Monday afternoon prayer meeting for for a couple of weeks Uh, won't be having that And Christian, what do you have? Here's Christian, our youth minister, who you don't have to applaud. He's not that big a deal. They just get to because I'm awesome. His mother would probably disagree. Yeah, probably. You're right about that one. All right. So yesterday we had a fundraiser at the uh, barbecue event And we raised, with late additions, we raised a little bit over $300 yesterday. So that was fantastic. And then lastly, if I can see, once again, all the adults for the kids that are going to mix. I just have just a tiny bit more announcement for you guys. So if you guys can hang back after so I can tell you those. But... Thanks for everybody that donated for the bake sale. Thank you for all the people that came
2: out and to support us at the bake sale. We deeply appreciate it. Thank you, guys.
3: After your applause. <laughs> After service, if there's a couple of youth kids that could uh, meet me just in here um, and help unload the trailer from the bake sale, that would be a huge help. Thank you.
0: You have a trailer from the bake sale?
3: Well, we had a trailer for the competition that we just used for the bake sale also.
0: Oh, so it's Uh, not filled with baked goods. It's
3: not. It's like Uh, tables and stuff. All
0: right. Okay. All right. Well, let's, uh, I thought somebody was waving at me. (laughs) Let's go to the Lord and we'll get started with our worship time. Almighty God in heaven, you are the sovereign Lord of this universe. Lord, we thank you that you had us in mind from before the foundation of the earth. You created us in your image. And Father, you put within us the capacity to love. And we thank you for the love that we share as the family of God, this little little bitty family in the the corner of your vineyard. Father, we thank you for the church and for worship and that you ordained the church, that you wanted it to be the avenue through which we serve. So, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to have a heart for serving others and loving each other. Help us to enjoy this time of fellowship here face-to-face. Lord, we thank you that we can praise you in this setting. Lord, thank you for calling us after the name of your beloved Son, the Christ. And now, Lord, please be pleased at what we offer you in the way of worship here. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Your love is amazing Steady and unchanging Your love is a mountain Firm beneath my feet Your love is a mystery How you gently lift me When I am surrounded Your love carries me Hallelujah 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 Your love makes me sing Hallelujah sing. Your love is surprising. I can feel it rising. All the joy that's growing deep inside of me. Every time I see you, all your goodness shines. through. I can feel full And wander around a little bit, shaking howdy with your neighbors. If you're watching us online, this is a great time for you to comment. Let us know that you're out there. We'd love to hear from you.
3: Peace.
0: Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I'd lay it all down again to hear you say that i my desire No one else will do Cause nothing else can take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace Help me find a way (laughs) i <laughs>
2: As I thought about what I would say today, I tried to write it all down so I wouldn't forget anything. So, even though it's my thoughts, I'll be reading part of it. It strikes me as, obviously, being the Fourth of July, we always celebrate many holidays and our Fourth of July is our celebration of our Declaration of Independence. Well, it's become the holiday for fireworks and barbecues and going to the beach. Things like that. But sometimes we don't think about what it took once we declared our independence, what those people went through to achieve it. So we we should remember those that stood up, signed their name, risk it all to get their freedom from what tyranny of the British Empire at the time. But what I'd really like to remember is many of those people that left England and Europe came to America because they were being told they couldn't worship the way they wanted to. They had to worship God the way somebody else said. You know that Many of the pilgrims that came to America, the very first thing they did when they stepped on this soil was to go to their knees in prayer, thanking God for their newfound freedom. And they were going to risk everything in this wilderness that nobody knew much about. So... What are we doing to exercise the freedom of religion that God gave us when these people came here? Are we willing to risk anything? You know, we all come every Sunday and we praise God and we remember Jesus' sacrifice in the communion ceremony. And that's what it is, a remembrance. But what about the rest of the week? I think sometimes I'm not doing enough. I'm just living my life. I'm enjoying the freedom. But am I sharing it with anybody else? You know, we're kind of told we gotta keep our thoughts to ourselves. That will offend somebody if we tell them that Jesus loved them so much. He gave his life up in heaven for a time to come down here and suffer and die and gain victory over death for us. So when we remember him in our communion this morning let's really remember let's commit to sharing what we know with those that don't know because make no mistake about it they're lost if they don't have Jesus their future is bleak we need to let them know let's pray Father God, we just thank you so much that you sent Jesus, that he was willing to sacrifice and die and get victory over death on our behalf. And as we take the communion elements this morning, help us to remember that sacrifice and the love that it represents. And we pray in his precious name. Amen. The bread represents Christ's body broken for you. The cup represents his shed blood.
0: Seeing the ushers uh, collect the offering and serve in communion, it reminded me to uh, emphasize to you, it'll be in the newsletter you received this week, but we're uh, re-implementing the use of junior ushers. And if you have a child that is seven years or older and you'd like uh, them to be able to help with the ushering, There's a sign-up sheet over on the table in the overflow. So uh, we'd love to have them be able to learn to serve. Kids, be gone. class was on a field trip to the farm. One student pointed and said, look, look, there's a little, cow, a little cow with no horns. All the other cows have horns. Why doesn't this one? The farmer puffed his pipe and drawled an explanation. He said, there are a lot of reasons some cows don't have horns. It might depend on the breed. Some cattle breeds have horns and some don't. Or it could be the cow's age. Some don't grow horns until they're adults. And in some cases, cows that once had horns have lost them in collisions or their owners have removed them for one reason or another. But in the case of this young cow here, it doesn't have horns because it's a horse. Some truths are self-evident, but that doesn't mean that everyone sees the truth in these things. There are many things in life that are simply no-brainers. This last week, I spent a week at church camp with the high schoolers, and we talked a lot about the fact that in our society today, there are men who call themselves women, women who call themselves men. There are those who say they have no gender at all. And there are others who say they have multiple genders. But the truth is self-evident. There are many things in life that are simply no-brainers. They're so self-evident. They're so obvious that it doesn't take much in the way of thinking to figure them out. And they are what our nation's forefathers called self-evident. I'm indebted to Lookout Magazine's David Faust for his little half-page essay which provided the outline for this message. 245 years ago today, the Declaration of Independence was adopted and signed by members of the Continental Congress. The following day... It appeared for the first time in print in the Pennsylvania Evening Post. A few days later, on July 8th, the Declaration of Independence was read publicly in Philadelphia's Independence Square, accompanied by band music and the ringing of bells. In this declaration, those founding fathers committed themselves To principles based on facts that could not be denied by rational thinking people. They wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness." these self-evident truths were considered to be so obvious that they became the foundation of a brand new experiment in constitutional government. That's not to say that our nation's leaders or even the very men who originated the Declaration of Independence were always consistent in the application of these principles. And there have been times when ignorance and greed prevailed over their consciences. But for the past two and a half centuries, our military has staunchly defended these principles from those who would infringe upon them. Again, it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, these days, almost every phrase of this sentence has come under attack. Let's look at the components that make up this foundation of freedom. The first phrase that is under attack We hold these truths. We hold these truths. Today, the very idea that there is any concrete truth at all is under intense debate. More and more, there's a philosophy prevailing that individuals must make their own truth without presuming it for anyone else. The idea is that something may be truth for one person, but not necessarily true for anyone else. They say truth is relative. You define it yourself. But what they don't see is that presuming to make up truth and determine for oneself what is right is bordering on blasphemy. It's God who determines the truth. In Isaiah 45, 19, the prophet speaks for the Lord, and he says, I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. The belief that we make our own truth is the kind of arrogance that God hates. It even surpasses the idolatry of Israel that resulted in God's judgment on her. After all, Israel worshiped other gods, But those who claim to make truth for themselves make themselves into their own God. Also being attacked is the concept that we are created. And so section two says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created. You know, for the first 1,800 years of the church's existence, there was a general acknowledgement that God was and is the creator of all mankind. This recognition was held by those who practiced Christianity as well as by those who did not. That's not to say that 100% of humanity believed in God as creator, but atheists were much fewer and much further between. For the last 200 years, scientists have embraced Darwin's theory of natural selection, also known as the theory of evolution. And they aligned themselves in opposition to biblical history. When the Supreme Court allowed or outlawed the teaching of the Bible and prayer in our schools, the humanists took over the science curriculum of those schools. The idea that we are created beings was thrown out with the empty milk cartons. I read an anonymous one-liner years ago that said, the Supreme Court had a group portrait taken the other day, and they had moved so far left that only four of the judges were still in the picture. It's as if Paul's words in Romans 1 were written specifically for today's scientific community. Reading in Romans 1, verses 18 through 23, Have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Today, it is career suicide for a scientist or a biology teacher to profess a belief in God, even though the evidence is overwhelmingly in favor of an intelligent designer. Many secular scientists are so overwhelmed by the order and the creativity involved in God's creation, in the sophisticated manner that biology takes place, that they actually admit that there must be an intelligent designer. And too often, many of them think it was space aliens who did it. It's too unthinkable for them to consider that there may be a God who created this universe. In the last 70 years, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, has blackmailed schools, local governments, and other public groups with lawsuits intended to keep any mention of God out of the public arena. If they knew what was going on, our founding fathers would roll over in their graves. You know, most of the buildings in Washington, D.C. carry biblical phrases inscribed on them. For example, the Washington Monument's aluminum cap has the words, Laus Deo, which is Latin for God be praised, etched in it. If you could lift the cap off the Washington Monument, there you would find that phrase inscribed. It also has a Bible stored within its cornerstone. And the federal government isn't the only place that once honored God's providential hand. Most of the preambles of the constitutions of our individual states acknowledge God's creativity and providence as well. For example, as recently as 1956, the preamble to the constitution of Alaska says, we the people of Alaska, grateful to God and to those who founded our nation and pioneered this great land. California's preamble to the Constitution, written in 1879, says, We, the people of the state of California, grateful to Almighty God for our freedom, etc., etc. The Indiana preamble to the Constitution, written in 1851, says, We, the people of the state of Indiana, grateful to Almighty God. The Pennsylvania preamble, was written in 1776 and said, We, the people of Pennsylvania, grateful to almighty God for the blessings of civil and religious liberty and humbly invoking his guidance. But no more. We ignore those things anymore. Paul said that mankind brings the wrath of God on itself by rejecting God as creator. The word of God insists that we were created by God and the founding fathers stated that that fact was self-evident. And not only did they see that we were created, but the third self-evident truth that is under attack is that all men are created equal. That's number three on your outline, that all men are created equal. Sadly, many of our founding fathers were violating this principle even as they were writing it into our Constitution, simply out of pure ignorance. Several of them were holding black slaves who were not considered to be equal. That's because slaves in that day were not considered to be fully human. The founding fathers had inherited this blind spot from Previous generations of slave owners and couldn't see the inherent hypocrisy of the slave trade. Fortunately, President Lincoln did see the contradiction and he dedicated himself to eradicating this injustice that to this day has left a bruise on the collective face of Americans. Judge Lyle Dickey of Illinois was a friend of President Lincoln. And Judge Dickey accompanied the president to hearings on the Kansas-Nebraska statehood bill. One evening, several men, including himself and President Lincoln, were discussing the slavery question. Judge, Judge Dickey contended that slavery was an institution which the Constitution recognized and which could not be disturbed. President Lincoln argued that ultimately slavery must become extinct. Well, Judge Dickey wrote in his memoirs, after a while, we went upstairs to bed. There were two beds in our room, and I remember that the president sat up in his nightshirt on the edge of the bed, arguing the point with me. At last, we went to sleep. Early in the morning, before sunrise, I woke up, and there was Lincoln sitting up in bed. Dickey! He said, I tell you, this nation cannot exist half slave and half free. I said, oh, Lincoln, go to sleep. And of course, a terrible war was fought to correct this horrible wrong that had prevailed for so long. When men ignore this principle of equality, the result has been seen in the Jewish Holocaust perpetrated by Adolf Hitler. Saddam Hussein's elimination of his own people in Iraq, China's Tiananmen Square massacres, genocide in the Sudan, and a thousand other examples of outlandish cruelty. The denial of the truth that all men are created equal has been the cause of the deaths of millions of innocents since before recorded history. But if we believe that all men are not only created but created equal, then it naturally follows that, number four, they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That's the fourth of the phrases under attack. If the book of Genesis is not true, if the book of Genesis is just a collection of stories if it's merely a book of folklore and and if we believe those that tell us that we're just the result of matter plus time plus chance, then what makes our rights unalienable? If we're not created in God's image, who says one race or class of people can't claim superiority over another? And that leads us into the fifth phrase that is under attack. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These rights are ours because God created us to and to cherish them. These rites are a gift of God's grace. It says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above, from the God who doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind about these things. They don't become irrelevant because our culture changes. God does not change like shifting shadows. And so the government doesn't bestow these rights, God does. It's the role of government to protect these rights, not to give them or take them away. You know, the abortion laws passed by our Supreme Court have removed the rights of the unborn. And it's ironic that those who advocate the murder of those pre-born children call themselves pro-choice. Doesn't that sound positive? Pro-choice. But they're not in favor of allowing the helpless among us to choose life. In fact, the only reason we have the opportunity to choose at all is because God has given us free will to choose. We have the liberty to choose right or wrong. But the Lord has made it clear what choice we should make. In Deuteronomy 30, in verse 19, Moses said to the people there, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live. God has called us to choose rightly. A full reading of the Bible teaches us that the Pursuit of happiness is vain and unfulfilling. The joy of the Lord is what we should be seeking. That's what really satisfies. People pursue happiness through travel and education and money and leisure and romance and work. They'll spend small fortunes on things to entertain themselves, and they have that right. They can do that, but Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. I spoke this week just a few days ago to a Christian couple up at church camp who definitely have the joy of the Lord. They have long past retirement age, but they have never retired from the Lord's call to serve God. Others, When they retired from their jobs, they went to the mission field overseas for a while. When they returned, they both began dedicating their free time to helping with local missions. They served faithfully doing whatever they're asked to do, even though now they're in their near 90s, 86 and 89. She trims the bushes, among other responsibilities, up at the camp. He can hardly walk, but he and his wife host visiting missionaries. They keep them in their home. The founding fathers declared that those who pursue happiness have the unalienable right to do so. As we follow Jesus, we begin to understand some not-so-evident truths. That doing the difficult right thing is better than doing the easy wrong thing. And doing the easy thing that's wrong, well, it's easy. Most times when we have to decide which path to take, it's always harder to take the right path, isn't it? Almost 100% of the time. Standing alone for a moral principle is better than giving in to the pressure of the crowd. That's one of those not-so-evident truths. Another is that sacrifice for a noble cause is more honorable than playing it safe. And another is serving others is better than serving ourselves. Do you want to follow Jesus He has called each one of us. Is my mic on? <laughs> yes. It is. So their sound goes through the system. Do you wanna follow Jesus? Do you wanna experience the, the joy of the Lord and not just happiness? It comes with being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yeah, there are things that will give you happiness in the short term, but the joy of the Lord prevails no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the mood, No matter what is going on in our nation or in our lives, the joy of the Lord is our strength. To experience that, you have to belong to Jesus Christ. You have to have his Holy Spirit living in you. And we wanna give everyone the opportunity to experience that. And so once again, we offer the invitation as we sing our invitation song, For you to step into the aisles, we're all going to be standing, you could step into the aisles and come down here and we'll pray with you to start a walk with Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. So what about you? Is this that day for you? Let's stand together and sing our invitation song, which I can't remember what it is. Softly and tenderly. That's a good one. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me See on the portals He's waiting and watching Watching for you and for me Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this great nation that is a gift from your hand. Lord, we know that there were many who forfeited their lives, not only to create it, but to uphold it, and we're so indebted to you for their commitment and for their sacrifices. God, help us to continually uphold the principles upon which it was established, principles that We're founded in your word. Lord, pray that we would cherish our freedoms and even more that we would cherish the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, go with us now and help us to always represent the call to service in whatever we do. Help us to serve one another and and those outside in our communities, Lord. And send us with your blessing now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, Say again. Oh, I can use the handheld. Well, thank you so much. More than one way to skin a cat. (laughs) And aren't they all fun? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, Cat jokes just kind of radiate from me. Let's sing our closing chorus for this month. Spirit of the Living God, and then we'll be dismissed. Spirit of the Living God Fall afresh on me Spirit of the Living God Fall afresh on me Melt me Mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. All right then, God bless you.